Give Justin Rhodes two and a half hours and he'll teach you everything you need to know about keeping chickens. In today's episode of the podcast, we'll talk with Rhodes about his 10-year journey of raising permaculture chickens, including how he went from feeding expensive grain to using a compost feeding system that can actually put more money in his pocket, except for the fact that he uses it. We'll discuss this and more coming up next. Aloha and Melekalikimaka heretics. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. December marks our one-year anniversary since we started the Nutrition Heretic podcast. Uh, in that time, we've interviewed some of the most pioneering and controversial heretics in the field of nutrition, uh, health, and everything that goes along with that, from farming to spirituality. So next year, we have plans to get experts on other controversial issues such as raw milk and to weigh in on vaccines. Plus, we'd like to add some live Q&As to get your personal questions answered, how-tos on shopping on a budget, and even some cooking demos. So when you're doing your holiday shopping this year, please think cock. Why? Because 50 Ways to Eat Cock is a crowd pleaser, and everybody loves to stuff their throats with cock. So if you'd like to see some of this content coming up next year, please go to Amazon.com and look up 50 Ways to Eat Cock, Frenching Your Food, or Honey Lingus. Uh, you can also go to NutritionHeretic.com forward slash books. And look, if you can't afford the books, please share it on social media because maybe some of your friends could. Thank you so much. It's been great serving you. See you next year. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. And this week, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, my new venture with my family. Uh, I, As you know, I live in Hawaii. Uh, we have chickens running wild. And a few months, actually about five months ago, my daughter decided that she wanted to take a chicken home from the park. Uh, I didn't let her do it because we didn't have a coop. But when my husband started building a coop, I got a call when he was about halfway through the project asking if I wanted to adopt 11 baby chicks. And I said, sure. So um, we got the 11 chicks and she actually threw in the mom because, again, we have chickens running wild here and they were just crowding her yard and she had plenty of chickens. She didn't need any more. And so now this is this has opened this Pandora's box with uh my household. Uh, of course, the child who wanted to bring home the chickens is the, the most reluctant to actually feed and care for them. Uh, but you know, it, it opens up a lot of, um, 
a lot of questions about where our food comes from, how we care for it, how do we do it in the most sustainable way. Uh, being in Hawaii, I don't like the idea of importing grain to feed my chickens, especially because so many things grow wild here. Um, I don't really see a, a need for that. And I figure that before, you know, the, the kind of uh, large scale farming that had that was so intense on grain uh, feed for for chickens, uh, that there must be other solutions. And that brings me to today's guest heretic, who is Justin Rhodes of AbundantPermaculture.com. If you know anything about raising chickens, if you've looked up anything online, chances are you have seen uh, one of Justin's YouTube videos or stumbled across his website and blog. Uh, he's got a tremendous wealth of information, and I am so happy to have him on the show today. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and, and I'm going to lead in by asking you, first of all, what's permaculture in your mind and what's permaculture chickens? I would say permaculture, let's just be simple here since we're talking about chickens and growing food. Let's say permaculture is a way of growing food. It's a way of designing for growing food that works with nature rather than against it against it to create more abundance uh, with less input. So it, or you, you might even say it's a way of gardening or farming that copies nature. For instance, you see that nature doesn't like bare ground, so she naturally covers herself. Nature is naturally modest, so she covers herself <laughs> with her bare ground, right? So we can take that and say, okay, well, we're going to grow a garden and maybe there's some disturbance there to put in our garden, but let's quickly then cover her. And so she doesn't cover herself with all these crazy wild weeds. Mm. Maybe we can cover her with mulch or wood chip, wood chip mulch or, or some hay or something, something of that nature that we are controlling. But we're still working with her to give her what she desires. But we're using it to our benefit. But the ironic thing there is when you work with her, you're also benefiting. You're benefiting yourself, but you're you're also benefiting her. Right. Oh, that's I. You know what? I, that's that's the best description of of permaculture that I've heard because the the first person I knew who was trying to do permaculture was kind of funny. I had a, I have a friend. She's from Italy, and we were working on a school garden, and we were trying to help, and we're cleaning up, and you know, we're we're taking out some weeds that seem like they could harbor ticks and we didn't want that going near the kids you know we're like taking out like just like the really big things and trying to uh you know how in europe they have a very different look uh or, or idea of of natural landscapes yeah uh and here we we kind of like savage you know like we just don't touch it at all right so we we pulled out some of the weeds and the one teacher who i guess was considered the head gardener at the school flipped out and next thing we know, he's trying to replant the weeds that we pulled out yeah. because yeah. he thought that what we did was just an abomination to what they were trying to achieve. You know, we're thinking more about the fact that Lyme disease is a huge problem in the Northeast where I used to live. Um, yeah. And he's trying to, to get the weeds back in the ground, um, which I know that they serve a function. But when they're that big, I don't know that that's what we want. And, and um, uh, you know, particularly that close to the school building. So I'm I'm glad to hear that that you have what I what sounds to me like a more harmonious understanding and not just going purely savage and and unkempt. Let's, let's say. yeah. <laughs> now how does that how does that apply to chickens when you say permaculture chickens? 
Okay, well, another concept of permaculture is the idea of connecting things. If, 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 if you want to come away with anything about what permaculture is, just think of this of, as, as a way Think of it as a way to connect things. Like you, you could be a, have a great garden, or you can be a good gardener, and you can have chickens and be a good chicken ninja. And so you have those two things separate, right? Well, what permaculture does then is say, how can we make the chicken and the garden work together? And so you 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 begin to realize when you begin to study and think, okay, what does the chicken need, and what does the chicken give? And what does the garden need and what does the garden give? And you can do that with all the things of your garden, which permaculture calls elements. So what you decide, once you decide and see that, hey, a chicken naturally goes around and scratches, right? Mm-hmm. They naturally go around in manure, like eight pounds a month, okay? And they naturally eat bugs and they naturally eat vegetation. So then you could say, oh, wait a minute, I could use a chicken to till my garden with its with its uh, scratching because my garden needs tilling, I could use a chicken to fertilize. You talked about ticks in the Northeast with Lyme disease. I've got Lyme disease. You can use chicken chickens to eat those lime, eat those ticks. Okay, and so that's that's then what I teach in my movie. Not just how to raise chickens from hatching to the plate, but also how to use chickens in an entire design that works with everything that's on your farm or backyard or uh, whatever or community garden. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, that's that is um, one of the things that is becoming even more attractive about chickens. As a matter of fact, this morning, somebody owed me some fish. And so she and I told her, I said, I said, if you're, you know, if you've if it's not a problem to keep the, the head and the guts and all of that, my chickens will eat them. And she was she yeah. was shocked that they would eat that. And I'm like, yeah, these, you know, they're the farmers call them pigs with wings for a reason, because they will literally <laughs> eat anything. And, um, you know, not that I would give them just anything. Uh, but I'm pretty darn frugal. I'll put it that way. And, you yeah. know, I was always composting. I've been doing it for probably two decades now, but dang, you add chicken to that, <laughs> to that mix. <laughs> and like, there's nothing left as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I found, even though I don't import grain, uh, I live next door to a brewery. They import grain. <laughs> right? yeah. So, so what, but what they do is when they're, when, when they've used the, the grain, they dump it into these buckets. Uh, and you tell me whether or not this is, you know, good or bad, but I, um, you know, in the, in the buckets, it's literally just the, the barley and yeah. then the, the, uh, grubs that start growing because flies come and lay their eggs and all of that. So that's teeming with larva. Uh, and I supplement their table scraps with that. Yeah. Is, is that a, a, a good thing? A bad thing? Is it, or, you know, are they missing something? I'm thinking they're, they're getting extra protein. I think it's great. Actually, I, I think if a chicken had a choice, it would eat 70% of its diet on those grubs. Right. So, But it sounds like you have a variety for them. The problem that you would have is if you only offered them that barley and there, right. were, no, and there were no grubs in it. That made me feel better that there were grubs. I mean, if you want to only feed a chicken something, only feed it grubs, you know? Wow. But you can't, the, kick, the, kick, the, kick, the chicken ch- can't just live on grass or just on barley or, or wheat or corn or whatever, they have to have a variety. You Preferably breaking it down into thirds, you know, a third of their, and by the way, they'll eat about a third a pound of a food, a third pound food a day. And a third of that is in greens, which are going to come from your scraps and out in the grass. 
A third of it is going to come needs to come from animal proteins. They are not vegetarian. I cringe when I see vegetarian, know. you know, companies bragging about vegetarian fed chickens because that's not their natural. That, way. that just means more soy and corn. <laughs> yeah, and it's not what they would ne- eat in nature. And we've only been feeding these grains for the last hundred years. I mean, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, didn't, chickens have been with us for at least ten thousand years, and. Uh, only commercialized industrial grains the last hundred and not wow. even strong, strongly. I mean, my grant on this farm 50 years ago, they weren't importing grains. I mean, you can totally sustain just, just let a chicken go. You could totally sustain, especially in Hawaii. It's probably a higher number, but you could do 12, a dozen chickens on one acre all year round. And that's mm-hmm. here in North Carolina with cold temperate. So that's with having a winner. But there, I imagine you could probably double that because they're going to get their grains. They're going to get their uh, uh, animal proteins. And oh, I said I, I didn't say yet, but the third one is the grains. I said the animal proteins and the greens, but then they do need greens, but not it doesn't have to be corn right. or 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 a legume like soy or anything like that. It's in nature. It would be seeds. Yes. It would just be grass seeds or whatever. Right. Right. What about uh, I mean, I'm just thinking Hawaii. Papaya seeds. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, give it to them and see. Now, I, I, I no, they eat it. They, they eat it. I don't, I don't okay. know. I was just wondering how much that, there you know, you when, you, when you talk about the seeds. If, as long as papaya seeds aren't the only thing you give them. Right. And, and you set it out to them and they have a choice and they eat that papaya seed. That's to me saying, oh, it's okay. Absolutely. You, you know, you read the, I know it's a fictional book, but the Swiss family Robinson, what they would do is feed the chickens and the monkeys this strange food and see if they would eat it. Right. And if they would, they knew that the people could eat it too because they have similar digestive systems, right? Well, the chickens and the monkeys still got it. They still know what they can and can't eat. Right. And exactly. so uh, just let them have it as long as it's not their own. I mean, people say, I think people like to try to find things chicken can't eat. But it's few. I mean, people say, oh, don't give them citrus or onions or garlic. It makes the eggs taste like onion, gar- onion garlic. Well, first of all, I like onion and garlic. In my <laughs> Pre-seasoned chicken. But, yeah, right. But second of all, I, it doesn't do that. It's not true. And people say, oh, the avocado pit and skin. Well, if I give them avocados, even whole, that, yeah. that are getting like old or whatever, what you'll notice is the chicken won't eat the, av- the skin in the pit. Right. They'll leave it there. Uncooked potatoes, they don't. They say not give it to them. They won't eat it. I mean, I'll have chickens on my compost pile, and I'll throw everything in there. And what the chickens don't eat will end up being eaten by the earth in the compost pile. Well, that's what I. That's that's the other thing is you know you brought up a really good thing, which is uh, people talk about don't give them anything you wouldn't eat. It shouldn't be rotting. It shouldn't be this. I'm like, but they eat the compost pile. Like they, <laughs> they want rotting. They want things yeah. that are teeming with bugs and larvae and and you know and half rotten. Uh, the the yeah. one thing I find they won't eat is uh, sweet potato leaves. Okay. And yeah, and so they, and and my go. pumpkin leaves even though my friend said that they love pumpkin and sweet potato leaves they will not touch that unless it's yeah. you know such a piss poor amount um yeah in in the uh in the mix that I'm giving them but you know I was like cuz I had them going wild here for a while and I was like oh great the chickens will eat it they didn't want anything to do with it so just I just turned it time. under so I just turned it under and I figure it'll compost under there and and when they start scratching it'll you know be full of worms and and what have you and they'll get it then 
Yeah, the worms will eat it, and then the they'll, the chickens will eat the worms. So they'll eventually get it. Right. Exactly. And um, yeah, so that's that's good to know. Uh, so so tell us a little bit about your progression because you went through a lot of experimentation, um, and you know where you started in terms of purchasing feed, and where you are now because you're actually kind of making money. Like in, you're not losing anything. You're not. You're not really investing anymore. It seems uh, on your chickens when it comes to feeding. Yeah, my, old, my my journey was a fun one. It was. It was. We we started eating, uh, growing our own food because we wanted to take control of our health. We first. It first started with a health conviction, and then it was like, oh wait a minute. So, and then it, me being a cheap wad was like, oh, it's cheaper to grow our own. And so let's combine inexpensive and healthy, and let's do this thing. Well, we, we, we were just buying a look. We had just started buying like anybody, you, you know, you go somewhere like the tractor supply and you just buy the feed or whatever and get going. And I, and I still think that's better than if you were going to go to the grocery store because those birds are captivated inside plus getting that crap feed, right? So yeah, exactly. just start with something because at least your birds are outside eating grass. They're getting chlorophyll from the grass. Uh, they're combating, even if it, even if there's GMOs in there, there's sort of a filter for that. Okay. So but then we started buying this local feed. So that's where it started. Well, at least the local feed, we could see that, hey, there's corn in here. We could actually recognize it. And we could some, pronounce most of the things on the feedback. Well, we went down, to, we, went, we decided we'd buy like 2,000 pounds, like a ton. Because we had like 100 chickens at the time. This was going to save us even more money. It's going to save us like a third. And at this time, we were selling egg shares, which meant people could buy, pay every month, and they get a dozen eggs a week. Well, we went, we hauled down there. It was about an hour away in South Carolina. I'm in North Carolina. And we picked this up. The big, strong men, I mean, they, they could do this all day. These big 300 pound strong guys, one 50 pound bag in each hand loading our little trailer. <laughs> our trailer's about to sag. They get it. And we've got the kids with us. And we say, hey, you, would you guys like to give us a tour? Oh, sure, sure. They were happy to give us a tour. And we walked around. And it was just, it, looking back now, it was just looking awfully. I don't know, conventional, uh, you know, it smelled. And by the way, you, when you have smell, you have mismanagement. A farm yes. should not smell. A compost pile should not smell. Chicken operation should not smell. But they, so we picking up on a smell, you know, we're seeing these huge fields, big tractors, big silos. And my wife finally at the end of the tour says, is this GMO? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh yeah, you know, we have to do GMO to do blah, blah, blah this, this week. Well, apparently, she was on a new kick in our health journey. You know, you don't just drop it all all, all right away, you know. Right. You, you run out of conventional milk and you replace it with organic. Exactly. You, you just go at it that way. So we go down the road. We go away with it because they've already loaded it. We've already paid for it. And she breaks down crying about five minutes down the road. And I'm like, what? And I didn't even know what a GMO was at the time. She explained it to me. And I was like, all right, let's take it back. Or let's, I, I think our first thought was, oh, okay, let's sell it. And then we're like, oh, no, we don't want to sell it. You know, we'll just find somewhere to get organic. What are we going to do? So we'll say, okay, let's take it back. And they were kind. They, they took it back. No problem. But we were faced with a problem because we were going home and we only had like a half a bag of organic. And that food, that, those grains that we just dropped off were $11 a bag. Mm. And the food at home that we were going to have to buy in store, which at the time was it's kind of hard to get hold of. Like organics getting more and more popular. It's easier to get a hold of. And price hasn't dropped necessarily, but it's like $34 a bag. So it's three times. Right. Expensive. And so I said on the way home, okay, we can't do that. 
uh, I mean, the, the customers aren't going to afford to pay $10 a dozen what we're going to need to make any money on this. So I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Our, our, our birds are in the pasture. One thing we're going to do, they're an electric poultry net, which is a mobile elect, uh, a net that you can move around fairly easy. I said, we're going to move that instead of once a week, we're going to move it every day. And I got to where I could move that net, and I had them in a mobile house I called a chickshaw. Which it was a <laughs> chicken coop on two wheels with a handle on it, just like an uh, Asian rickshaw. Yeah. And I, I got to where I could move their whole operation, water, feed, n- net, and house in like nine minutes. Wow. And it was fun, you know, and move the chickens every day, and they would come out. And the, other, the only other thing I did was say, okay, a chicken, like you said earlier, a chicken is a, a pig with wings. They, they will eat so much. I'm going to start rationing their food for one. So, all right, I cut it back to one, th- one third pound a day, like no chicken in there it, it should ever eat more than a third a pound. The reason they do is because they're naturally ingrained that they don't know when their next meal is and they don't yes. trust you and it's not ingrained in them to say, oh, they're going to feed me tomorrow too. They right. just see food and they will eat it and their crop will just swell. And if they do that, they'll actually be over, get overweight and they'll actually low, it'll actually lower their production. Mm-hmm. A fat hen will be a, a, non-produ- a non-productive hen. So I so a third of a pound. And then I'm going to cut it back by 10% every week until it finally affects their egg production. Mm-hmm. Well, my gosh, I just kept cutting back and cutting back. And I was feed, you know, I cut back to a third pound initially. And then I was down to like a tenth of a pound wow. of food a day. I, I think I cut it back. I, I cut my feed costs over... 70% the consumption 70% and here's the good news I was now spending less on commercial grains even buying organic feed three times as much I was now spending less money than I was before buying the $11 wow. just because I had said I'm gonna ration and cut back to see what they're getting off the land because if, if given the chance they'll get they'll find their own feed in the in the pasture or in mm-hmm. the forest or on the compost pile and they did that and but it went even further, you know. Not, that was that wasn't good enough for me. I saw a video. Jeff Lawton, he's like the grandson of permaculture, had figured out a way to feed chickens 100% on compost, and that's through a series of four compost piles rotated through every week. And I won't get into the description there, but right. essentially, I went to then put my chickens in one area, but on four compost piles that rotate through, and and. I did have a source of a local grocery store for some chicken scraps, which is maybe not necessary because Carl Hammer of Vermont Composting has like 1,200 chickens on a commercial composting area, and he doesn't feed them anything, and all. And there's only 5% food residual in his compost. So okay. the chickens are getting most of their food in compost. If you're doing the compost right, that's the trick. Mm. Compost has got to be big enough you got to have enough piles at least four compost files for 24 chickens and when i say a compost pile i mean at least three square uh yards okay and you've got to be it's had to have heated up it's had to have heated up to like 130 degrees and that way it gets going and then the chickens find food in there that are that you can't even see they're finding the microbial life that's protein for them and maybe some food scraps and they're surviving there is egg production as high as if you were giving them a third pound of commercial feed every day? Not in my case, but it doesn't matter because your eggs are brighter orange 
Right. Uh, they're probably they're probably so much more healthier. I haven't I haven't had it tested, but you're not having to have this import, this expensive import. Absolutely. And with the compost system, you get a square cubic yard of compost every week. Every so week, only, okay. Every week, so that you didn't just cut your feed costs a hundred percent. Around here, that if somebody were to come pick it up, would be they would pay me eighty bucks to come get that every week. So, and, and is somebody a, doing that? Is somebody coming by to pay no, eighty bucks a week? No, <laughs> I, no, because I used I used it. I right. use it. Right. That's that's. And in, now that winters come on, we don't do that compost system. We we but we 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 buy our grains whole. Mm-hmm. As whole grains, which automatically saves 18%, and then we soak it, which saves you another 15% because that breaks down the intranutrients, and then uh, we mix it ourselves and feed it to them, which, what, I've saved 30% right there, and then uh, we do creative feeds throughout the winter as much as we can. Right. Do you, do you uh, sprout that when you're soaking, or just... Yeah. Okay. I can. Uh, in the winter, I do, because what sprouting gives you is that green. Exactly. Exactly. We don't have greens all year round. So when you let it sprout up a little bit, not only do you get the grain, you get the green too. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an incredible journey. And, uh, I mean, I think that should be, you know, very, very inspiring for a lot of people looking for different ways. Uh, because just like you, you know, what happened with your family, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. Not, I mean, yes, you know, I have this, this, thing that we're going on with our family, uh, learning how to do chickens ourselves. Uh, but I think it's a natural progression. Like you said, you know, you switch out the one product for the next and then, you, you know, you might find out, Hey, you know, the, the people raising those organic eggs in the supermarket really are not doing what I know they should be doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, just for those people who don't understand what he's talking about when he talks about the bright orange yolk, that means that, uh, the, the more orange they are, the more vitamin A, and I'm talking about preformed vitamin A, not carotenes that are in the egg yolk. Uh, so, you know, this is, uh, it's an important, um, anti-infective. Uh, vitamin. It's important for fetal development. It's important for our immunity. Uh, and in a time where people are, you know, relying on vaccines or not relying on vaccines, we have to understand where our vitamin A is coming from. Uh, and, you know, these types of eggs are, are the perfect place. So, um, you know, what are some of the, I, I, I don't know that I've, um, gotten into this yet in, in your literature and, and videos that I've watched. Uh, but what are some of the common diseases that people might want to be aware of in their flock? I've had, in all my 10 years, I've had two or three chickens die. And I've had at least a dozen that entire time. Mm. So I'm going to say prevention is the key. Now, disease you have to worry about. I don't, even then, I'm a little bit different in my opinion on that. Well, first of all, I think you can prevent most of them by just giving them access to fresh air, mm-hmm. clean, clean water, and a good, healthy food mix, okay? So you have, even if you were buying store-bought food, do they have a chance to pick some grass every once in a while? Do they have a chance to get some bugs that come through the yard? Something like that. You're going to cut out so many of your problems just right there. Right. Okay, and then if a, if a bird gets sick, and not everybody, and that, that doesn't need to be, that doesn't need to, uh, intimidate anybody. Oh, I don't know what it's going to get. What, what, what sickness is going to get? I don't know if it matters. If you have a sick chicken, somebody that's not keeping up with everybody else, 
Well, first of all, chickens are so tough, but they've gotten to that point. It's gotten pretty bad because they got to be tough or because a chicken will eat a chicken. I mean, they'll take each other down for the sake of their species. They're like, you said they're like pigs with feathers. I think they're dinosaurs with feathers. Okay. Oh, they're, totally. they're rough. And they're like, uh, they're the closest living relative to the T-Rex. I, call, exactly. I sometimes call these guys dinos. So <laughs> you got to keep up and about it. So you see somebody that's getting a little sickly, really just separate that one and put it in a, a, a quiet, clean place. Give it some water, give it some feed, but take that water and feed a little further. Put some apple cider vinegar in that water, put some honey in that water, put a couple of cloves of garlic in that water. Okay, about a half a gallon of warm water, um, two tablespoons of uh, apple cider vinegar, a half a cup of honey, and two cloves of uh, minced garlic. And that's going to help bring back their immune system. This you could do this with an injured bird too, mm-hmm. and I, in fact, I've had a lot more injuries than I've had sicknesses because you accidentally run them over with with your chicken yeah. tractor, you know, moving the coop right. or a child steps on them or something like that. Also, then ferment their feed, and that goes further than soaking. A soaking, you just put your grains in a bucket or or a bowl, and you just put water four inches above it, and you let it sit overnight. The, the, if you ferment it you just leave it in there for three days covered with water right and that then can give them a health boost just like it could give you i mean you could i call that water mixture magic water you could totally drink that magic water you could totally ferment for your food and it would totally boost your immune system and i would do that for that sick bird just keeping them separated so they don't let it get taken down by the uh the other dinos and but cup a wee until till till it recovers or doesn't recover Right. Okay. Now, some people, if they're backyard pets, then you take them to the vet. If you're a homestead, they're livestock like they are to me. They recover or they don't. And if they don't, it's okay because it's going to strengthen the flock overall, especially because I breed them. I certainly wouldn't want to breed back to that one that got sickly. Right. Even if it recovered, I would pro- I would mark it in some way, and that would not be one of my breeders because I want to breed the strongest of the strong, the most adaptable adaptable to my land. Because my goal is sustainability pro- and productivity in the long run. Right, right. Wow, yeah, and um, you know, I, I there's so many parallels. Sorry, I, my brain always misfires. <laughs> interviews because people say these interesting things and I don't know which direction to talk about first. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know, the... it's only logical that what is good for human health is good for chicken health. So when you're talking about the clean water, clean air, you know, the oxygen itself kills bacteria and viruses and, uh, yeah. you know, helps to to keep the immune system strong. Uh, and also the ferments, because and sorry, listeners, I'm going to bring up what I, I'm doing right now, which is Korean natural farming. I don't know if you're familiar with it, uh, uh, Justin, uh, but one of the inputs that we use is lactic acid bacteria, which is essentially uh, whey that comes off yeah. of milk that is uh, fermented using um, essentially the must, I guess, of rice. You know, so you what you would do is you soak your rice, you get the the uh, inoculant for your for your milk, and then you use that to separate the whey from the cheese from this other scummy layer. And yeah. um, and that lactic acid bacteria, we use that all the time for spraying down the coop, for putting in their water, for spraying down their food. As a matter of fact, when I get the, the grains from next door, uh, I will spray that down. Um, I don't nece- I'm not necessarily in a situation where I can just have, you know, 
open buckets all over the place uh, to yeah, keep all of the grubs alive. Uh, but I will ferment them in the in the bucket with the uh, lactic acid bacteria, which uh, I found the chicken when I first opened a Bokashi bucket, which uses the same system. And, uh, you know, because I, I ran out of food and I was like, oh, I got stuff in the Bokashi bucket. So I um, emptied some and I tried to get it in there while the chickens were out running and uh, they stopped running and they jumped on the pile and they jumped in the hole and <laughs> they were done yeah. with, the, with the contents of the bucket within about a half an hour. Um, and that's when I learned how much they really, really love and thrive on that type of content. Nice. The air and clean water, but also sunshine. I forgot to Oh yeah. Good, good access to sunshine as opposed to the commercial birds. You're right. doing so much better uh, than if you were to buy them in the store. Right, right. And and how much sunshine, when you say sunshine, are you talking like physically under the sun or more pineal gland need to see the sun? I would say the latter, having the choice to go out in the sun. Right. And also having the choice to go in the shade if they want to. Like my coops, they could go back in them during the day if they want to and get out of the sun or the rain or the elements. They could also go under the coop. Yes. And if needed in some areas, if you want provide a shade cloth out there option or sometimes I'll put my water up on a pallet where they could actually uh, go under that pallet for protection from the sun or the elements or aerial predators. So I think it's important to give them that option. They Again, they know. They know what they can eat, but they know also that when and how much sunshine they need. Right, right. Yeah. And it's and it is interesting because I notice my chickens, they'll go and they'll sit on the ledge up by the coop, the top of the coop. Um, you know, where they normally sleep at night and sometimes they'd like to just hang out up there. Yeah. Um, and then some of the other ones will go underneath it and hang out down there. Uh, what we're working on right now is, uh, nippling, a nipple watering system, uh, so that nice. they, you know, we catch the rainwater and just throw the lactic acid bacteria down there and they just get a constant supply when they're, they're drinking throughout the day. So we, we want to cool. put, you know, we want to install the plumbing upstairs and downstairs for them. <laughs> so that they they have their option of when they you know whenever you know for some reason you know kid gets up late to let them out in the morning they can drink a little water uh while they're waiting and and uh you know it's what's fantastic about it like you said no smell um so when they're getting those ferments it's it's automatically uh cleaning their intest their digestive tract and their shit doesn't stink (laughs) So quite literally. Um, So uh, what are the the advantages of having the rooster around versus not? Because I think this is a, 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 one of those things that, you know, people are terrified that the rooster is going to attack their kids or their girlfriend or or what have you. Um, You know, is it paramount to have the rooster there or do you sometimes separate out the rooster? How many roosters per how many birds? It's not paramount to have a rooster. You do not need to have a rooster to have eggs. The reason you might want to have a rooster in by, is pr- primarily to re- reproduce. So if you want to breed your own for 100% sustainability and not even count on a hatchery or a breeder or anything like that, and you just want to have a rooster and some hens and let them, and let them mate and have some chicks, then you need a rooster. Mm-hmm. That would be the primary reason for him. He, will, he can service at least 15 birds it's probably more ideal that he, you have uh that he services eight so okay. one rooster to eight hens uh you you want them to, you want roosters to have competition so if you have 16 birds or 
or, or a hens or something, then you want two roosters because uh, one rooster can be too dominating and, and too hard hard on the hens. It, does a rooster have to be mean? No. Now, if he's genetically wired to mean and you've never you've never provoked him in any way, which you might provoke him on accident, you just have to you have to be walk around them slowly. You're feeding them from the beginning. You you aren't having any sudden movements. You're very careful when when handling the hens that you're watching where he is. Um, if you have a more progressive one, you take out some 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 kind of shield with you, maybe a cardboard box, maybe a tin, something like that, to put you between him and him and you. You also, you know, I went out one day to feed the chickens, and we used to kind of have a mean rooster, but you know. He, ta- he he went to attack me, you know, jump up on my leg. He wasn't going to really hurt me, but he did attack me, and it scared me. Well, my natural instinct was to pull that leg back to kick him. Mm-hmm. But I caught, I caught myself, and I thought, no, 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 don't kick him. You know, I caught myself and didn't kick him. And although naturally that's what my defense system wanted to do, I said, no, you know, my brain interfered. And so, you know what, better, better, you know, you have a handful of food in your hand. Just get bend down and give him a piece of that bread, whatever. You know, it's some food scraps from the grocery store at the time. And I put my hand out and fed him. And that 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 is gonna go a lot further than kicking him or or scaring him. You know, kids are worse for that. If they get attacked by a rooster, they have a vendetta and they they might start picking on that rooster from outside the fence when they're safe, you know? And that's just gonna make the situation worse. You can also breed that out. I mean, uh cull that one, that means give it away, sell yeah. it, or butcher it. And just keep, or just keep the roosters that are kind. I mean, you can totally select and breed for that, and they are different. I mean, we just raised uh, a flock where we we didn't know if they were hens or male or female, and I think there were about three or four roosters in that. One of them was mean, right? So I would put that. I would cook that one, right? And pick the nicest out of the other three if that was my priority. Because you 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 pick pick for hey this one's nice this one's big that means it's gonna give me a lot of meat this lady over here she she lays a lot of eggs so I would want to keep her and breed her you know right uh, so you you just pick for you just take the qualities you're interested in save those ones and breed those and and let the others be right yeah well uh, I'm not sure how much you looked at what I do but. Um, d- Part of my claim to fame is I wrote a book called 50 Ways to Eat Cock, Healthy Chicken right. Recipes with Balls, because my friend, right. had she went to the hatchery and she got 50, what she was told at least, you know, half of them would be hens. Every last one of them was a rooster. And wow. so she invited me over to her farm to help slaughter roosters. And then she threw them in the back of my car. That's <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I'm going to have to cook all of this. I'm going to write something about it. Um, you're, and, you're uh, a so you turn problems into solutions. Well, there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, a match made in heaven. So, uh, yeah, I learned, yeah. A, I learned a lot of, at least about cooking them for That's sure. Funny. We, we, it never happened. Maybe one day I'm going to do it, but we ate an entire rooster. I don't know if you know this, but you can eat. I mean, the name of the blog was this farm family ate the entire rooster balls and all you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> so you choked that chicken, take, folks. <laughs> so I, I never, I never did this. So it's up to you, okay? I, we did it. We actually did it. We just never like blogged about it. And it's time we weren't doing YouTube. But you can eat the comb. Yep. You can eat the tongue. And in Asia, these are like delicacies. For you sure. can, you can suck the brains out. My gosh, you can eat the cheeks. 
you, we fried the head. You can eat the legs. Um, you can clean out the intestines, eat that. It's crazy. Yeah. And we had, it's funny because we had to go to Asian websites to get all these different recipes, but those are the delicacies, the heart, of course, the liver. Yeah. Uh, we, we are throwing away a pound of food. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we weighed it out. It was a pound of food. Absolutely. That we just normally throw in the gut bucket. Right. Yeah. For me, a lot of that ends up in stock. Um, yeah. but yeah, you know, definitely, you know, the, um, uh, the combs and waddles are, are, you know, I know in Italy they eat those. Uh, and, you know, the Chinese eat everything. Come on. It's like, who are we fooling? You know, <laughs> like, they, they're probably the, the first thing. to eat a lot of a lot of things. Because <laughs> essentially you can eat the bones, too, because you're yeah. making bone broth. You can make blood rice. You drink the blood, eat the blood. And it's like um, the only thing that we couldn't find a recipe for. Even the feathers, like you don't recipe the feathers. They're high protein mm -hmm. and calcium, but you would put them in a pill and swallow them. Right. Uh, as a, like a, a protein calcium, something like that. You could also, um, what's the other? Oh, the lungs. I don't think anybody has published on the internet a way to eat the lungs. You I, know, I imagine you can. But I lived in Yugoslavia in the 80s and the lungs went in stuffing. Oh, there you go. It was go. just chopped <laughs> up and just chopped up like any other awful and put in the stuffing and, and they'd stuff the chicken with it. Okay, there you go. You can eat every single thing. Every Maybe single thing. Maybe not the bile. Yeah, I guess you can't eat the the bile. Side. Yeah, you may not want to, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but as in in permaculture, there's a way to use it. That's the thing. It's like even sure. you know something's going to eat it. it something is going to right. That concludes part one of our interview with Justin Rhodes of AbundantPermaculture.com. Tune in next week for Justin's take on culling those ornery roosters, solutions for keeping birds when the temps drop below freezing, and how to watch his film Permaculture Chickens. That's next week on the podcast. Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks! Thanks!